Welcome to episode seven of me, myself and Isla lifting the lid on loneliness. It's been a little while since I recorded one of these podcasts. Life gets in the way sometimes, but I'm very happy to kick off again with the wonderful Sandra McLennan. I've known of Sandra for a long time through work, so I already knew she was awesome, smart, switched on and super professional. But it's only recently that we've started to talk a little more and realised we should have been friends long before now. Sandra is a force for good and it says everything about her that it makes her nervous when I say that because she's very humble to you. Sandra got in touch a couple of months ago and told me she'd like to join me on the podcast. I was surprised because as is always the way, Sandra is not someone I'd have ever expected to feel lonely. By her own admission, she has incredible family and friends around her, but was keen to talk about how situations and curveballs can cause feelings of loneliness. Sandra talks passionately about how she handled these feelings and how she also makes it her mission to make sure that other people don't feel alone. A chat about the incredible amount of charity work Sandra does led to us having a nice conversation about volunteering and how this is an ideal way to help people and form your own social connections at the same time. It was an absolute delight to talk to Sandra, who is kind, compassionate, and like I said, very smart. I learned a lot in our chat, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. I have a feeling you will. All right, Sandra, hello. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well, Ayla. How are you? I am all good, I think. All the better if we've seen you. This is the first podcast we've recorded in, I think, about eight months. So I'm nervous about being rusty, but I'm very excited that you're the first person we're talking to. I feel safe. So no you pressure. You feel safe. No, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really great to have you on the podcast, Sandra, because I feel like I have known of you through my work at Marines and Gill for years now, um, but only recently met you. So my opinion of you is you're this wonderful force to be reckoned with, sassy, cool, and this is always the way of it, not mm -hmm. someone I would necessarily have expected want to come on my podcast about loneliness. So thank you for that. Well, I don't really know how to follow up on that uh, <laughs> introduction, Isla, so thank you very much. In fact, I think I was looking around seeing who it was you were referring to, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think just when you spoke about what you've been doing with this podcast series, and may I just say from the outset, I think it's a great initiative that you've taken on, really do. And if it does encourage other people to come forward and, and talk in the way that I'm doing today and inspire others to talk more, then that's such a, a great thing. Um, but for me, I suppose it's a little bit of a, a push-pull with it because loneliness means so many different things to so many different people. Mm -hmm. The definition of loneliness varies as well. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to share my experiences of when my interpretation and my sense of loneliness has crept in throughout my life to date um, and just kind of chat through all the various good bad and bits in the middle with you today. Um, so that kind of, and, and again, it is just sharing that experience with other people to help other people, because I don't feel this subject is talked about enough. I totally agree with you. Um, and that's the feedback that we get on all of the podcasts is, or, and you know, publicly and privately, like, thanks so much for bringing this up. You know, thanks for talking about feelings that I've had, because I felt embarrassed that no one else had them. And the more it gets talked about, the more I realise, or everyone seems to realise, that feelings of loneliness happen to us all. Mm -hmm. And it can be in periods of time, certain situations. 
it doesn't matter, like they come to us all and you don't always recognize them, but we all have them. And so it's almost like we're getting this dirty little secret out there and making it a bit less dirty and we're all in it together. I think the timing of it is ideal. And without going back to the challenging years that we've all experienced yeah. globally, but with the pandemic, that really has been the catalyst for bringing this along with many other areas of let's put it under that banner of mental health awareness mm -hmm. um, to the fore. Yeah. Um, so if anything has come out of the pandemic, it's because people are talking more and their yeah. awareness is so more acute of people that you would never have expected to have felt that word lonely yeah. um, or alone or whatever. Um, so yes, I really do believe that now is the time that we need to delve a little bit more into the feelings that people have, the science behind it, mm -hmm. and what we can all do to, to help each other and the support that's out there. And quite often the tactics that people use, like I've used to help me overcome those feelings, which can be every day. It doesn't have to be going to talk to somebody for months on end, it can be an everyday thing. That's what I'm excited to talk to you about as well, because obviously I've got an overview of some of the things we're going to cover today. But what I think is most important about this podcast is that we try and end with what people have done to tackle those feelings so that if anyone else out there does want to try something, mm -hmm. you know, we've given them extra ideas and you for sure have got ideas at the end, which <laughs> I am very grateful that you're going to share with us, Sandra. Thank you. So. Let's start with your childhood, because that's where podcasts seem to start. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about, about your childhood, Sandra. Okay, well, I was um, born back in the 70s without disclosing my age too much. <laughs> and uh, I am an only child. And at the time when I came on the go, my parents were what you would have described as mature mm -hmm. parents. Okay, And they were in their late 30s, early 40s mm -hmm. when they had me. And now that is just so the norm. Yeah. And I'm pleased to see that, you know, that is the way. Mm. And but I did feel growing up, looking around the playground at other friends of mine that, oh, everyone else's parents are a little bit younger, quite a bit younger. And I had a family that were just so good to me. They were so encouraging, full of love, full of just, you know, just everything you would want. I had cousins that I was friendly with, very good friends with, not just in a relative sense, but just, you know, I could engage with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and in good chums. But I think being an only child does evoke a sense that is different from when you have siblings. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you felt that growing up, you know, with, with your family, just because, you know, you have brother, a brother and a sister, am I right? Yeah, I definitely, I'm very lucky. I have a brother and a sister. My mum and dad always brought us up so that we would have be, have be playmates, you know, be yeah. best friends. And we definitely did row, but I was never, I always had those guys mm -hmm. around, you know, at school, in evenings, playing at the weekend. I definitely feel very lucky to yeah. have had that. And I never felt, again, when you're a kid and when you're growing up at school, you don't really know what lonely is. Yeah. And I never felt lonely. And this is where I maybe feel a bit of a fraud talking about it to some degree today because I was surrounded by love and friends, family, you name it. Um, but I had certain anxiety issues that maybe manifested itself later on that came from being an only child mm -hmm. and trying very hard to be perfect, trying very hard to overachieve, which I still have to this <laughs> day, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, now, there might be people out there that have the science behind all this that I don't and can say, well, it's this or it's not. But I think then growing up and becoming a teenager, um, unfortunately, um, when I was about 15, 16, my mum took on well 
And to cut a very long story short, she sadly passed away when I was just on the cusp of 19. And I was at college at the time, so Mm -hmm. it was during exams as well. And being an only child, this is the bit where I want to really emphasise that that feeling came in of responsibility. Not loneliness, but responsibility to my dad. And at a time when when you're a 19-year-old, you want to be going out there and doing all the things that 19-year-olds do. And Mm -hmm. for me, I really wanted to make sure that he was okay and he wasn't, guess what, lonely. Yeah. And that really just continued even to where I am today Mm -hmm. at the age of, I'll just put it out there, 52. And I'm very fortunate that my dad's still with us. Um, But during the course of that time, trying to juggle, you know, uh, exams and then looking for for work, which I was fortunate to do, and just basically dealing with life. This was always in the back of my head, this lonely feeling that you could have if you don't have people around about you to support you. So I did everything I could to do that with with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know where you want me to stop and start with this, but if you want me to Anywhere continue, where you like, you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think I had a very acute sense early on that people can be left on their own through no fault of their own. Yeah. Um, and it's really you have to be really mindful of that and not ignore them mm-hmm. and make sure that people have got a good network and a good support system. Mm-hmm. I then was married mid-twenties and that was for two and a half years when sadly my husband was diagnosed with cancer and he died nine months after diagnosis and that for me was the point where loneliness really did surround you because you thought you had your life mapped out and all of a sudden it's taken away from you. Yep. So I'm not sitting here pouring out all of this you Mm. know sad story one after the other that's not the point of Mm -hmm. today the point being that there's situations in your life intervals in your life where you get on don't you every day catches up and you get on and being the kind of person that just wants to do that and show other people that you're coping Mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is sit down and reflect on yourself yeah and actually take it in and feel some of the feelings that are around you correct um so what i did to overcome that feeling of loss mm-hmm. and the emotional sense of that loneliness um, was to throw myself into work, was to throw myself into any hobby that I wanted to then do. I took up playing the piano, I took up salsa dancing, I did so many things that would get you out there mm-hmm. to almost take your mind off of what had happened. Yeah. But there's only so much of that that you can do. Yeah. Um, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to it? catch up yeah. with you. And I think, you know, back then, we didn't have that same emphasis that we do now that instead of just saying to someone, hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. Or in the Northeast, I, I fit like. <laughs> um, you stop and you pause and you really sit down and say to someone, hello, how are you? you know, how are you? Yeah. And get to the root of maybe whatever's troubling an individual. Yeah. It's funny to think that it didn't happen so often then, didn't it? And it's not that long ago. Yeah. But people didn't tend to have these conversations so much. Exactly. So for me, I just feel that it's important to acknowledge that feeling of loneliness, Mm -hmm. whatever that feeling of loneliness is to you. Um, I didn't necessarily feel it Mm -hmm. apart from when you were either in a room with a load of people, the exact time when you think you shouldn't feel it. Yeah. But you know, if other people are there with like in couples particularly um, or just in groups of friends, 
or you've had a great night out and you come home and the house is yeah. empty, that's when it always triggered yeah. it for me. Yeah, I totally get it. It's funny that thing when you're talking about like being out, surrounded by people, happy, nice atmosphere, but sometimes when you're in that, and you've got your own tricky thoughts or feelings or whatever you've got like that, you can just feel so alone then, I think. Like, I totally get that as a, a, on a very small scale if I'd recent experiences. Um, and coming into work was wonderful for it, but there were days when I would sit there with everything in my head going on around and the things that were worrying me, and life was just passing by around me, and I was just like, like, can anyone hear me? Like, I f you just feel so alone. It's yeah. so strange. Yeah. And so uh, did you realise that that's how you were feeling at some point? Like, no. what was there a tipping point in any of that for you? Or did you just, is it looking back now, you can see what was going on? It's that. It's looking back now. I, I think when you're in that moment, and, and I'll just say it, you know, everybody is different. Everybody yes. is different. And yeah. I'm not qualified at all to sit here and say, this is right, this is wrong, yeah. I would never, and ever go down that And that's not what we're here road. to do, but you're exactly. sharing. Exactly, yeah. you're sharing your own personal mm -hmm. account. And, and for me, because I went the other way and became all-consuming, mm -hmm. um, which you know then triggered all sorts of emotional feelings that basically tipped you over the edge, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and had to just pull back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's only now that I'm older, having gone through other experiences, um, that you can sit back and due to COVID go, yeah, you know what? There were times in my life when I really did feel like that and I still do feel like that at times. Mm -hmm. But I now have the experience, the knowledge and the capacity and thankfully still the love of family yeah. and friends around about me, the network that's so important yeah. to be able to um, embrace it when it creeps in, but to be able to almost like go, I'll allow myself to feel that for so long mm -hmm. and then package it away and put it back on the shelf yeah and move on and that's sometimes easier said than done yeah but it's funny that's my mom she always says to do that as well it's like if you can there's a place for sitting in something and acknowledging it um, and, and you know feeling it and handling it and then at some point you have to pack it away yeah. and you have to be able to get on with the day or get yeah. on or, or do whatever so I can relate to that for mm -hmm. sure and I think everyone lives their lives these days at you know 24 seven, 120 miles mm -hmm. per hour and more. The one thing that the pandemic was supposed to have taught all of us was to slow down. We had to do that. And we were all talking about doing all sorts of things and promise never to go back to the way it was. Yeah. And it hasn't. No. We've just gone full pelt back into I think it. it's worse actually. Yeah, me I, too. Yeah, I for some reason feel I was lucky enough to work through the pandemic, but you know, for various reasons, you were probably doing more than usual. Um, and I don't think it's ever really settled back mm -hmm. down again. I mm -hmm. feel, I, I don't know, I just, I can't put my finger on it, but I definitely feel that the, the work ethic or the levels of busyness or talking about busyness or acceptable busyness, I'm not, feels more now. And, and you've hit the nail on the head. And I think for me, that was the turning point as well for the age that I am now and being able to spend a bit more time looking at loneliness and what mm -hmm. that means to a certain demographic and mm -hmm. what we can do to prevent it and yeah. what we can do to help people that really do experience it. I left the job that I had for almost 30 years back in 2018. I worked in oil and gas mm -hmm. and I loved it. My role was in PR and communications. That's why I love to chat, Isla. I love that you love to chat and that's how I know you're a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, but, um, 
in that time, I decided that if I was going, I chose to leave mm -hmm. and I wanted to spend time supporting charities that really did mean something to me. Yeah. And charities I was fortunate enough to support while I was working mm -hmm. in the role I had. And one of those charities that I became involved in um, was Concordon and Deeside Befriending. Mm -hmm. Now, that befriending service is in Stonehaven and Bankery and it serves the whole of the North East. So the reason for mentioning that is to bring in the whole perception that people have that it's older people that will naturally feel lonely. Yeah. Now, statistics will show that, of course, that is the case. Mm -hmm. But having done a little bit more research ahead of today, mm -hmm. um, there was a survey that was conducted by the BBC just of late. And the other end of the spectrum, it's usually the 16 to 24 year olds now yeah. who are actually experiencing yeah. loneliness more than the over 75s, yeah. um, which is not surprising in some ways, yeah. but when you look at the figures, I suppose it, it, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, and you have to ask yourself, why is that? So going back to the befriending service, I think I learned a lot from the time that I did help them because again, I was looking at my dad and I was yeah. looking at my aunties and my uncles that have now got to that older mm -hmm. side of you know age um, and thinking again, back to that feeling that I had when mum passed away, mm -hmm that my relatives are getting on and they've lost their partners and I want to do what I can to help them. Being very aware of they're on their own and yeah. we need to stimulate them and make sure that they don't feel lonely. And the befriending service really did highlight to me the need for these charities to exist yeah. to help people that are going through that in whatever shape or form. Yeah. Um, You're a good human, Sandra. Yeah. You're a really good human. <laughs> well, and I don't see it like that. I just see it as being yeah. pursuing an actual interest that you have yeah. and a value that you have yeah. um, and seeing what you can do to, to help, you know. Um, and, and, and I think just taking back into account the, the younger generation that, that are, you know, statistically showing that they are lonely, that's not surprising when you know the amount of time that social media creeps into people's lives. Absolutely. It's a total curse. Yeah, I can. It, it, I can't even begin to imagine. Like, I think I've got a relatively healthy relationship with social media and that I'm aware of who to follow, who not to follow. I can still get full on triggered by like the least unexpected things. And that's fine. And that's me as a 46 year old feeling like that. What it must be like to be a young person on there and have FOMO to the nth degree yeah. of people looking like they're living their best lives when you're feeling a bit crappy about yourself, not feeling good, whatever. I can't imagine how you cope with that. It must be very hard. And oh. you used the acronym FOMO and I had that written down in my notes, you know, <laughs> fear of missing out. And that is what it's all about. Yeah. But I also have this expression, which I've, I've shared with you previously, which is don't compare, it leads to despair. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that, you know, social media is, that, that is exactly what people are going to yeah. do. We all do it. I yeah. do it. You do it. We all do it. It's built on comparison, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> it's like fair enough if people are sharing their rubbish days or their low moments. I know that you want people to be bearing their soul on it, but like fair enough if people are getting a balanced view of lives, yeah. but you're not. You're getting yeah. like that filtered snapshot of somebody's best moment of mm -hmm. the day. And mm -hmm. it's just like you're sitting there in your worst moment of the day comparing yourself yeah. to that. So tricky. You should never do that. And that's where I think organisations that are experienced and qualified in befriending, yeah. in mental health, in anything that is, it is actually having an impact on a person's physical, yeah. psychological state, yeah. um, emotional state, then there needs to be some awareness raising done there. Yeah. Um, 
and particularly using examples that COVID has been the, the, the launch pad, sadly, yeah. for all of this. Yeah. Um, but I, as I said at the start, I mean, I do think that the positive, I always feel you have to turn a negative into mm -hmm. a positive, and the positive has been that we're doing exactly what you and I are doing today, mm -hmm. which is talking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel very, very fortunate that I am in a good place that because of the support that I have, I know it's not going to go to a dark side, yeah. but some other people may not be in that and I'm yeah. well aware of that. I feel it's good that you've said that because I never want to sound you yeah. know, the words privileged or not, but I'm sitting here doing this podcast on loneliness. Lucky enough to know you. My amazing dad is helping us to record it. I've, we've both got great family and friends around us. Absolutely. I'm aware sometimes when you sit here and talk about loneliness that I'm not sitting in a pit of despair, but I suppose the point of it is still the same, is that you know the more people talk about it and make it mm -hmm. normal, then that's still only a good thing. But yeah, you're right, mm -hmm. like we know how lucky we are. Yeah, and people, you know, life is life. Yeah. And you know, it is a tapestry of experiences and mm -hmm. chapters in your life, yeah. from the good, bad and the ugly. And we just have to acknowledge that. Yeah. But I think that's, we can, but there's not everybody in life that, that can and, and they will fall off that particular yeah. journey. Um, and that's where reference points like your podcast series, anything that is mentioned within the interviews that you're conducting, yeah. I really hope is a good signpost for people that are listening. Yeah. Um, I was thinking we should actually signpost the Befriend charity that you were talking about there as well mm -hmm. as some of the charities that you've mentioned in this we should maybe put in the notes just for anyone who wants to go and support that needs help Absolutely. maybe have a look and see if there's any other services in the area as well. The, 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 interestingly again just making sure that I wasn't you know talking nonsense about various statistics but I researched a little bit the other week and the Marmalade Trust have you heard about the Marmalade no. Trust so the Marmalade Trust and I thought this was quite poignant because in the last seven, eight months since we lost our late queen, mm -hmm. Paddington Bear has come to the oh, fore. Who doesn't love him. Paddington? No, he's so good. He was one of my, you know, go-to toys as a child. And the lady that founded um, the Marmalade Trust in 2013, she was a healthcare professional called Amy Perrin. And I think she based it on having a Paddington Bear as her toy that she could go to because everyone sees Paddington, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, as that friendly, very positive bear yeah. that says hi to people with a welcoming smile yeah. and quite willing. And if you can share it with the Queen, you can share yeah. your marmalade sandwiches <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> so she based it on that. And I think it's a really good reference point to go to because their website is full of fantastic information about loneliness and really? about how to reduce that ice feeling of isolation, regardless of age. Good. Um, I'm not associated with them, so it's not a pitch, but I just wanted to say that I've just found it a very well-designed and mm -hmm. very crisp website to navigate around to get the information that will help. Um, and, you know, their definition, if I can just read it out, mm -hmm. they've got a definition on there that was um, written by two authors and it was loneliness is a perceived mismatch between the quality mm -hmm. or quantity of social connections that a person has and what they would like to have. Yes. Which differs from the Oxford dictionary definition of loneliness, which is sadness because one has no friends or company, which is what I wanted to make sure that people understood from my yeah. talk today and that what you and I have just said five minutes ago yeah. we're fortunate because I don't feel that loneliness for me is about having no friends or no yeah. company it's the opposite of it 
But when you go into your inner self sometimes and how you feel sometimes, yeah. that is the feeling that you have. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that the Oxford Dictionary de um, definition is so different from what psychologists are actually saying, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, but I think that that quote from the the, the marmalade yeah. trust and what they have yeah. is far more workable. Absolutely, um, and it shows that it can be anyone can have it at different times. It's dependent on circumstance, that kind of thing as well. It's not just cool. I am lonely, and this yeah. is it. It's like yeah. okay, well, I'm fine, but this thing happened, and I feel pretty lonely in it now. Mm. That's or a really not. good way of putting it. Sting happened. That's mm -hmm. a great analogy, actually, because that is exactly how it is. Your life is peppered with moments. Yeah. Yeah. And at times it's mellow, and at times you get that yeah. sting, don't you? I know. It's funny, when we've been talking about this, and you said something not long ago, when I interviewed um, the girl, a girl called Laura, she was the one of the, I think, fashion director at Grazia, which I was so happy to interview her wow. about. It. Mostly recently, <laughs> she's had a column in Grazia, and it's about single life, but it's not about single life. It's about for anyone who's ended up in a situation that they didn't think they were going to be in. So I think her point of view on that is, mm -hmm. you know, probably thought she was going to be married with kids by mm -hmm. the age of 40. I might be wrong, but that's the gist of mm -hmm. it anyway. And, you know, you're not there. And it's still a great place to be wherever we are, but life throws curveballs or it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to be and I feel like that's some of what you're saying in yeah, this as well it's it like is. it's definitely I, I don't know what we all think life is going to be but you don't think you don't plan for the curveballs and sometimes when they come along they are humdingers yeah. and yeah and you're a great example of wow that was grim here's some things I did that's right and I think I've had the words used towards me as resilient and mm -hmm. you know you're 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 committed to what you're doing and you're very strong and there are times when I actually get frustrated at being yeah. told you're strong yeah. because that's the last thing you actually feel inwardly yeah. and don't get me wrong I would never say to someone please don't say that or don't describe me as that because yeah. I think it's you know very kind of it anyone. comes from a good place it is yeah. coming from a good place but sometimes you think the effort and Oh, some of the turmoil and the anxiety and the help that I've sought to get over my anxieties yeah. in life that have been triggered by life's events mm -hmm. has been so hard, yeah. so hard. Yeah. Um, and there's so many people out there with that, that similar feeling. Um, and, and you're right, you know, just the way that you navigated your way into that particular part of this conversation about you never know what life's going to deal you. Yeah, I mean, there were horrendous things and, and sad things that have happened to me like so many others, but then there's been so many good things. Yeah. And I think when you get that good thing next and you think your life is going somewhere positive mm -hmm. and then that's taken away from you yeah. through whatever means, mm -hmm. that's really hard to overcome as well. So you have all the different levels of loneliness that's triggered through um, bereavement, yeah. you know, emotional loneliness yeah. that's triggered through um, transient loneliness. So, you know, you, you're kind of going along a road and you think you're fine one minute and you're not. You have got um, situational loneliness mm -hmm. that it does happen to me. So mm -hmm. they describe that as being, you know, th does, th do you feel more lonely on a, a weekend than you mm -hmm. do during the week? Well, actually, that can happen. Mm -hmm. I sometimes find a Saturday night that is yeah. very much embodied in culture and society yeah. as being that's when you go out with your friends yeah. or your partner. Social media is telling you everyone's having yes, a great time. Exactly, <laughs> uh, and so on. Yeah. You know, and then you've got relationship, um, you know, loneliness, and, and yeah. if you're in that, and then your relationship breaks down, and yeah, regrettably and sadly, that's happened to me recently too. Mm -hmm. So 
Without going into the, the detail of any of that, I just feel that the levels of loneliness and how that is explained is something that people do need to defer to as well. Yeah. That you don't necessarily label it yeah. when you're going through life, you just feel it. Yeah. And everyone, as I keep emphasising, feels it differently. Yeah. And it's so true. It's like whenever, every now and then for this podcast, I put like a wee call out for anyone that wants to come and join me on it. And the reasons that I get from people who want to come on it are so varied. They're exactly, as you said, I get them from stay-at-home mums who all of a sudden aren't talking to adults across mm -hmm. the day. I talk to women who haven't had children and wish that they could have. Um, men that are lonely at work, women in positions of power who feel lonely at work, and people who have suffered loss, and uh, just that's so many different reasons. And so it's just, I can't believe we don't talk about loneliness anymore when it's just this mad feeling that's everywhere. The other thing that I never thought of, and I picked it up going back to the reference to Marmalade Trust, mm -hmm. um, it's the way that we talk about it, i.e. the language that we yeah. use. So I think a lot of people in the, um, you know, the profession that are able to talk to people about mm -hmm. this, therapists or other, um, it is the way that we, we, mm -hmm. we use that word. Do we use the word loneliness? Do you wor use the words I feel or do you use something else? Mm -hmm. You know, Do you sit down and say to someone quite blatantly, do you feel lonely? <laughs> or is there another way to yeah. approach that? Um, so I think there's work that needs to be done yeah. in the way that we talk to people and how we communicate and how we raise awareness of that message, that it doesn't have that stigma attached yeah. to it. Yeah. I know it's funny that you're saying that as well, because the reason I launched this podcast was because there was, so it wasn't last Christmas, but it was the Christmas before. I can't even remember. I was just sat there and I had this really weird feeling in me and I think uh, just like we're saying there was a disconnect I think I'd wanted to be with my friends but I couldn't but I could have gone and been with my amazing family but I was like no I'm fine I'm just gonna stay in I was just like what is this feeling that I feel and it was like a bit anxious it was a bit antsy it was a bit angry maybe as well like frustrated maybe more than angry and it's like God, I think I feel lonely. Yeah. And like, I actually felt grief and I realised what it was, but I was like, God, I'm not sure if I've ever felt lonely before. Maybe I've just never looked into it in that much detail before. But I didn't even know to kind of label it. And that's when I started to look at it and it's like, well, there's nothing special about me. If I'm feeling this, plenty of other people might have felt lonely about it. And then turns out that they did. But yeah, we definitely need to talk about it more and in a different way and normalise mm -hmm. it. I know that we always talk about normalising things, but should actually normalise it because I, I think it's so common. You know, in the way that you, well, your interpretation and your assessment of me as an individual mm -hmm. is different from really what is going on inside yeah. anybody. And that yeah. applies to everybody. Yeah. It really does. I have had the uh, amazing career um, in meeting people from all walks of life. Yeah. And I always remember this one time when, and this is on the perception angle, okay? So mm -hmm. going off track just a little bit, but meeting quite a few people that are from stage and screen mm -hmm. and doing a presentation down in Glasgow. And I was basically the MC for the event. And that took a lot of guts back in the day for me to do that sort of thing, yeah. you know? Um, still does. I always think if you never have that nervous feeling about it, then you shouldn't be doing it. I agree, <laughs> totally agree. But anyway, the, the person who then went on stage after me and I introduced them um, happened to compliment the way that I'd done this particular mm -hmm. event. And I just remember being quite taken aback and saying, you have starred in Harry Potter. I cannot believe you feel like this if you are an actress, you know? 
And that individual said, but that is totally different because I am playing a character. It's yeah. not me bearing my soul on a stage or talking to people yeah. the way it is off script. And it just really resonated with me that we look up to certain people in our world yeah. and think they are this or they're that. But actually, you know, they're a human being. Yeah. And they have all the feelings that you and I have from the ridiculous to the sublime. Yeah. And nobody would ever think that they're anything other than just that. And if you think about all the, use the term loosely, but the celebrity culture that yeah. we're obsessed by these days and the amount of you know, stories that are starting to come out about certain individuals that are sad stories about yeah. how their, their, their mental health or their yeah. you know, situations just not being great, that you would never have thought because you see them as a character. And I think we all play a character to a degree in our yeah. everyday lives. That's very wise and insightful. I think it's true. And you're right. Like, I, I am feeling, I mean, I feel like I see two sets of things out there. I feel like I see lots of people talking about mental health and some of it is maybe a little questionable about times. Um, but most of it, I think, is brilliant. And mm -hmm. actually, do you know who's inspired me recently? Oh, I can't remember his name. I should have come ready to talk about this. But um, Jade Goody, who sadly passed mm -hmm. away from cervical cancer, her partner who she or the father of her two sons uh -huh. he is now like a life I think he's a life coach a business coach but he started up uh, like a weekly walk where just to me it looks like hundreds of people get together and go uh -huh. for a walk and talk Jeff that's Jeff, his name that's yeah right. um, and uh, he was also toying with the idea of starting up a podcast on loneliness or he's got a podcast now that's what it was he's got one already and he was going to start covering loneliness because he'd felt really lonely over Christmas and I just thought it was great that he yeah. was coming out and talking about that. Yeah. So I asked him to be on my postcast and he hasn't replied. <laughs> well, let's plug it again, <laughs> Jeff, if yeah, you're out let's there. Let's try. He's too busy doing people's postcode lottery. He's probably on your street so somewhere. Is, I, know. <laughs> I think I was <laughs> punching him off my way, asking him, but you never know, I got you, I could get Jeff. <laughs> but I did like that. And I feel like, yeah, you're right. P people are human and they do feel things. And the more these people in positions or you know that have followings and have reached talk openly about these things mm -hmm. I certainly feel better when I when I yeah. see them being uh -huh. honest about things so it's interesting because when I lost Stuart and his mum who's sadly no longer with us she really struggled mm -hmm. you know Stuart was an only child like me so that was hard and I went to a bereavement group in Aberdeen mm -hmm. and um, I actually then took her and I actually was taking her more for her sake than for mine mm -hmm. and the point of that being when you go through loss like that, there are a number of places that will help you. Yeah. Like there are a number of places that will help you with other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to specific emotion, there's not necessarily so. Yeah. So I think the yeah. fact that you're doing this and just putting it above the line and having people like you mentioned off the TV, like that chap. Jeff. Whose last name we cannot remember. <laughs> but it's here. Oh, it's thank you. In my That's mind the now. one. That's the one. <laughs> But, you know, it's great that they're coming out and talking about it because yeah. I hate to say it, but that does just give it that little bit more yeah. press and, yeah. and PR. And do you know what as well? And again, and this is something else I should have come with the name, but there's an amazing woman does an amazing podcast. <laughs> doesn't help <laughs> anyone. She is a psychologist, I'm fairly certain. Oh, gosh, she's got a massive following. Her name begins with B. I'll remember it afterwards. Um... I want to Google it now. But anyway, she talks about putting shame into the light. And the minute it's in the light, Brené, Brené Brown, that's her name, thank okay. God. And it's so true. Like, it's almost like you diffuse things. When you take an awkward feeling and you put it out there and it's like, well, you have nothing to hide anymore. Like, it's out mm. there. I mean, fair, you've got to be in a safe space, you know, I guess, be open with the right people. But if you are 
can get that feeling out there. It's like it is in the light. Yeah. It's not a dirty little secret anymore. It just doesn't feel so bad. And then the real magic of it is probably you're going to hear from the person you've told that they have felt the same or mm. had a ex similar experience mm -hmm. or the same kind of thing. Like that's, I actually love that about humans. I think that's what fuels me is like sharing oh. experiences and pain like that. It has to be. And yeah. I do think there's a, a platform now to be far more open. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. People We're are lucky. talking about yeah. their emotions far more and yeah. not feeling like they're you know, anything other than, let's say, normal. Yeah. I've I felt now that I've got to the age of 52 and lots of, I'll just be honest, you know, lots of physical changes that happen yeah. around about that time being a female. Yeah. Um, that a lot of my other chums are talking far more openly and candidly about lots of things. Yeah. And particularly this. And I think it goes back to the list that we know that can contribute to lonely, loneliness, such as, like I mentioned, the bereavement loss, the relationship breakdown, going to a new job, even moving to a new city yeah, with a new job, yeah. you can have that feeling of loneliness. Totally. Um, but I think there is that um, shift in people's minds that you get to maybe middle midlife. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I've just admitted here that I've reached middle age, but here we go. Midlife is cool. <laughs> We're in it. <laughs> but, you know, you start to question, do I still want to do this as a whatever career you've, you've, you've done yeah. for the last however yeah. many years? Do I still want to be where I am, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're at that you know, pivotal point in your life. You're questioning so much stuff and other things are kind of flying around it that yeah. life is complex. Yeah, so complex. So you have to press pause and, yeah. and reflect, even if you don't necessarily want to. Um, no. It is true. Just in, I'm throwing something personal in here that I didn't know that I would talk about, but I don't mind saying like, well, I'm 46, so I'm not far behind you, Sandra. And I definitely, I think I'd always thought I'd want to have kids. Um, and then obviously the older you get, the more you think, cool, this maybe isn't going to happen mm. for me. But I've been physically, I'd say for the past two years, absolutely dreading hitting menopause like to a point of fear like people mention it in the office I just clam up because I, in my head it was just like okay well then that'll be the you know decision made then and uh, this is totally terrified me and then my friends and family know this I had to have a hysterectomy last year which was a scary experience but it's fine you know I'm done and dusted I'm very lucky and um, but the decision's made now you know and it's just like oh well so here's here's my deal now. This is fine, and I'm actually like so fine with it. But it's I, I forget how we got to this, but I think it was just you talking about reevaluating your life and your things. Life. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose if I'm honest, it was tough. But now I'm like, well, I'm free from that worry now, you know. So it's like, what next? So I got a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I'm just so relieved and pleased to hear that you're you're health wise, you know, you're you're on track. That's Thank the important you. thing. But but you're right. It does put yourself in a different in a different place, doesn't it? And yeah. I think you've had the strength yourself with the support that you Amazing mentioned to get you friends. through that. Yeah. Um, and, and you're acknowledging that and embracing it and going with it, yeah. but you have to adapt. And, th and that is about life as well. It's a constant ev evolution. All the curveballs that you're talking about, all the things that come your yeah. way that we don't see coming. It is. And, and you know, nobody saw, and I think it's timely that we're, we're here today on the 4th of March, because this was the cusp of um, COVID two yes. years ago and nobody knew that it was going to be what it turned out to be no. and how that year in particular the first year changed people's lives for yeah. and and you know as I say I'm not going to get into the, the detail of certain aspects of my life at that time but still living part of that is just so hard and yeah. how someone's life lives and other people around about you can just be so flipped yeah. and so 
yeah, just down a different road. But again, it's back to how you turn a negative into a positive mm -hmm. and how you deal with it for your own, your own sake. You mentioned Jeff Brazier yeah. and his walk. And that's <laughs> I don't know I, if that's his name anymore. I think, but. It, I think <laughs> it is. Um, and I think that's what I, I've done, you know, and, I, and we mentioned at the start the tactics that people deploy. And for mm -hmm. me, you know, it was back to in the early 2000s when after losing Stuart, I threw myself into work. I've mentioned that. I threw mm -hmm. myself into hobbies. I've done that again by trying to think more about my health mm -hmm. as in like physical. So yeah. I walk as much as yeah. I can. Good. I try not to turn down invitations. Mm -hmm. So if somebody asks me to go anywhere, I try and think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Try and meet new people. Um, if there's new experiences to be had, yes, you kind of debate. Have I got the confidence? Well, you'll never know till you try. Yeah. Try and do that. Good for you. Um, so I think it really is about just looking for the opportunities that are out there yeah. and not being afraid to speak up, seek help, yeah, and just try different things. Yeah. And that can be as simple as just acknowledging someone that you don't know. Yeah. So I am a chatterbox. I I'm in communications <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I am that person. If you sit beside me in a plane, you know, just ask first because it'll be like <laughs> chat, chat, chat. I do know when to can it, I have to say. But, you know, my point I'm trying to make, there's not enough of that these yeah, days. I agree. And if you think about, well, we haven't really had much of this, and so this is probably the wrong example. But if you think, OK, I was going to use the doctor surgery as a mm -hmm. pre-COVID example. Now I could probably say standing on a train platform or yeah. in a bus queue. Everyone is on their phones. Yes. Everyone's heads are bowed on their phones. So nobody makes eye contact. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to really say hello. We've become a nation of introverts, really, or yeah. just don't talk to Our me. own little world, can't see past it. But that's it, our own little world. Yeah. And what does that then lead to? So people become so dependent on technology yeah. and not enough about interaction with a human being. Yeah, and like interactions with human, I think you're going to agree with me on this. I think they're like little bits of magic. Yeah. Like in lockdown, because um, I lived on my own through lockdown and I used to go out running and that was honestly the only time I properly saw people. Yeah. I said hi to every person I walked past and see when they said hi back, I was just got a little endorphin shoot. It's like, yeah. okay, that's fine. Say hi to another person. Like, I, I appreciate that that's not everyone's comfort zone to do that as well. But for me, those little interactions are like magic sometimes. Yeah. Like an unexpected conversation with someone, at, like you say, at a bus stop mm -hmm. or a train station. Don't know if I want someone to talk to me in a plane. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, and you know, the more of those, the better. And actually, you reminded me, I read some research and it was talking about the importance of relationships in terms of feeling loneliness and things. But they were also showing the absolute value. It doesn't all have to be all your best friends and all your family. It's the interaction. So it's like, take some time to talk to someone in the shop. Yeah. Take some time to talk to the post day. Exactly. Talk to people when you're out in walks. They all count as much. And I suppose... Yeah a lot of those still got stripped away, you know, chance interactions and things yeah. with lockdown too. Yeah, you still right. had the shops and the posties, I made the chance. I think they refer to that in psychological terms as weak ties and strong ties, yeah. you know, and it is, it's about common courtesy and yeah. maybe old fashioned values yeah. that yeah, you yeah. would never have not yeah. acknowledged a person Say good morning, like say good afternoon yeah. to everyone you meet when you're out and about. Yeah, so I really do wish, I don't wish for one minute that we'll go back to the, the world of COVID, but yeah. there were certain old fashioned values that yes. we, um, adhered to and adopted that yeah. sadly have maybe slipped by the wayside a little bit 
and then the the default of that is people do get neglected they do yeah. get forgotten about and this is the whole subject of today that the l word creeps back in again yeah and it's doing everything we can to mitigate against that I would like to talk about, you kind of led back to it there with what you were saying as well anyway, but you mentioned you did a lot of volunteering and obviously for a um, befriending charity. Mm. And I am a volunteer board member for a mental health charity. So we regularly talk about on their socials and comms how volunteering can give such good value to charities, mm. but also to you as a human, mm. like it's human connections. It's there, like if I think, now, if I was in a city on my own or, you know, I was struggling, I honestly think that volunteering for a charity would be one of the first things I would do and go and do some good and get all those good feels and have bonds and things. And do you get that from some of your charity work as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I was fortunate that I worked with so many charities in my job, mm -hmm. working in oil and gas yeah. and did a lot of community engagement. And there are others, you know, mostly in Aberdeen that um, we worked with. And am I allowed to see the ones? Yeah, that I can. Yeah. Yeah. So Friends of Anchor was one that I did get heavily yeah. involved with and still and still I'm supportive of them. Very good charity. And I think because of what you see and what you hear in the stories mm -hmm. that you, you learn from that, that just yeah. put you into a different perspective. So if you had a bad day mm -hmm. and we were with the Courage on the Catwalk was the event that yeah. I got involved in and um, so much love and passion for that event yeah. and the girls that worked for the charity. But I think when we were dealing with that, you'd come away thinking, oh my word, how did I ever think that I had an issue or a problem? Yeah. Because it just, and we all have said it, we've yeah. all been there. Um, but uh, generally speaking, volunteering, yes, I definitely, definitely would recommend that to yeah. anyone. I think just taking your head out of the space that you might yeah. be in and being absorbed with not only the contact with other people, mm -hmm. but the purpose of what you're doing it yeah. for and the outcome that you hope to reach. Yeah. It's just adding that added value to your, your day yeah. and your, your whole overall well-being. Yeah. The other charity that I do get involved with, which is very much linked to loneliness or preventing loneliness, is music in hospitals oh, yes. and care. Tell us about that. So again, introduced to that through work, but since then I've become a committee member mm -hmm. with them. They're based in Edinburgh, but they do across Scotland, across mm -hmm. the UK, but I'm involved in the Scottish side of it. So basically it's what it says on the tin. It is bringing professional musicians into a healthcare setting, performing for people with dementia, children that are in the sick kids hospital, hospice palliative care patients, um, care home, Residents That's so lovely. Across the board. Yeah. Um, and it's for that hour that they're there, they're engaging with the patients, mm -hmm. the clients, and bringing a little bit of joy yes. through music, to use their strap line. Um, and I have seen that with my own eye, the transformative health benefits yeah. that come from that. So I'm very much into music personally. I love music. I love to dance. Back in the day when I was fitter, I used to teach fitness classes. Yes. That's a whole different I conversation. Know about this. But again, <laughs> but again, you know, it's just watching that and yeah. seeing how volunteering and doing your bit using the skills that I've think I have through my career um, that you can build into this. It's yeah. just so rewarding, you know. Yeah. Um, so absolutely an advocate for it. Volunteering, yeah. I love very much so. Yeah. And yeah. And there's a, it's not like there's a shortage of incredible charities out there who are screaming for help right yeah. now as well. Eh? So And you make friends that way yeah, as well and it introduces exactly. you to people that you would never have met yeah. if you hadn't done that. So it's just having the 
I suppose, putting your, your, your head above the parapet yeah. and having the confidence, not even the confidence, just challenging yourself to yeah. do something different. Yeah, and going yeah. and doing it. Exactly. You are a force to be reckoned with, Sandra. You are. I knew it before. I know it even more so now. <laughs> like, I think that's probably us maybe towards the end of our chat. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Because you're so good, you, were, you came to this more organised than me, so I feel like I should just <laughs> ask you honestly. <laughs> well, once again, you've been very kind, but you're always such a joy to speak with Ireland. Again, just to reiterate, well done on what you're doing with this and just introducing it to you know an audience that might have not necessarily thought to sit down and, and just really delve into a subject that's maybe not comfortable to talk about. And for me, I just want to personally close on saying that you know this can affect anybody in any shape mm -hmm. or form and it's quite often the most busy person you would never ever feels it but I think regardless of a person's circumstance regardless of their you know their, their life nowadays we all have felt a little bit of this mm -hmm. um, so let's keep the conversation talking and not be afraid and yeah just keep on doing what you're doing. Well, thank you for helping us kickstart the second phase of these podcasts. I could have done it with no one better. I would like us to go and take one of your dance classes now. <laughs> we can maybe share that on the extras. No, genuinely, Sandra, someone like you coming on, who's so well known in Aberdeen, like you say, a force to be reckoned with and have spoken so honestly about your experiences. But I think most importantly from you, what you wanted was the message of actually the good things that you've done and how you've handled it and that just shone and there's plenty of inspiration in there for anyone that's had some tricky times um, and wants to go and do something different and try and help how they're feeling. So thank you for sharing so much, Sandra. Thank you and thank much, you for Sandra. the biscuits too. Thank you very much. Thank you.